I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 345 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, today's guest is the current executive vice president of football operations for the NFL. Troy Vincent joins me on the podcast today. Troy was the seventh overall pick of the 1992 NFL Draft. He was drafted by the Miami Dolphins, went on to play for the Philadelphia Eagles, Buffalo Bills, and Washington Redskins as well. He was selected to five Pro Bowls, and in 2002, he received the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. He is also a member of the Philadelphia Eagles Hall of Fame. Troy is such a well-spoken, first-class father. I'm honored to have him here with me today. Troy Vincent will be here in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. It was refreshing to see some sports news back in the headlines with the NFL draft. It was very interesting to see the virtual version that they put on for the draft, not seeing the young men step up there on the stage with the commissioner. But it was cool to see the guys celebrate with their families at home as they watched on TV. Troy Vincent and I will discuss how it all came together in just a minute here. And next week, I'll be hitting you guys with four fresh episodes, including my interview with Dr. Dilip Joseph. Dilip was captured by the Taliban back in 2012, held hostage until SEAL Team 6 went in and rescued him, resulting, unfortunately, in the loss of American hero Nicholas Czech. It also resulted in Navy SEAL Ed Byers receiving the Medal of Honor. I had the honor of interviewing Ed Byers back on episode 265 of the podcast, and next week you will hear from the man whose life he saved, so don't miss out on that, and follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace to find out who else will be joining me here. And if you flip it back one episode, you can hear my interview with another former NFL first-round draft pick, Nick Mangold. That interview is also available on my YouTube channel. The link for that is in the description of today's podcast episode. Please help me spread the word about this podcast to every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that celebrates fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day. Right here with me, and I'm going to be right back with Troy Vincent. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, today's episode is being brought to you in part by Manscaped. Manscaped has precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Let's face it, guys, we're all waiting for those barbershops to open up again because our hair has grown out of control during the COVID lockdown. But with Manscaped's third-generation lawnmower, you don't have to wait to shave that unwanted hair below the belt. And let's be honest, guys, when it comes to the bedroom, no woman wants to walk in and find that love muscle buried in the bushes. Get a smooth shave under your shorts with Manscaped's Perfect Package 3.0, which includes the waterproof cordless lawnmower 3.0. And right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners get 20% off plus free shipping by using the code FATHER at manscaped.com. Visit manscaped.com or tap the link in the show notes. Use the code FATHER and save 20% off. And enjoy all that extra attention she'll give you when she finds that bald eagle. Joining me now, First Class Father, Troy Vincent. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thanks for having me, Alex. Appreciate it. All right, let's start it right here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? I have five children. I'm a grandfather of... Four today, grandfather of four. Um, my oldest daughter, Desiree, Des is 30. Troy Jr. is 24. Teron is 19. And the twins are 14. 
Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, you got me by one there. I got four kids myself. What type of sports or activities are they all into? So the, it varies. So I have two student athletes. Troy Jr. and Teron are both student athletes. They're both football players. Uh, Desiree was a basketball player in her time, my oldest. And the twins, actually, they enjoy soccer. So we kind of... We fill up the whole sports spectrum here, and that the grandkids, I'm trying to get the grandkids into track. Uh, they're also playing soccer. And then my youngest granddaughter, Rosie, she just started saying the word basketball last week, and my, my daughter has her out in the yard uh, picking up hoops. Yeah, very exciting. <laughs> you know. Now, did you ever get an opportunity to coach either your kids or your grandkids to playing sports, or did you rather stay away from that and enjoy it all from the sidelines? No, I did. No, I had a, I had an opportunity to actually um, coach uh, Des when she was younger, um, Teron, as well as Troy. I have not had the opportunity to coach the twins, um, Hadass and Tanner, and I found that to be one of the joys of my life at the – and I was very uh, was I was very particular about the time frame, so that elementary school into middle school, around that seventh eighth grade, and then I realized just from learning and seeing other people uh, go through five didn't never want to be a dad didn't want to be a, a daddy baller, um, or helicopter parent, but I, I did realize that there was a time where there would be someone else that could have just the same amount of influence that I could. It was the kids needed a different voice. So around that seventh or eighth grade time frame, I knew it was the time for me to just remain a father and allow the coaches to coach. And, but someone who was teaching and expressing the same values um, that our children had grew up in, some of the same techniques and philosophies that, that I embraced or that my wife Tommy embraced. So um, I coached them all up until middle school. Yeah, that's good stuff. Very well said there. And if you could, Troy, just take a minute here, please, to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. So um, current title is Executive Vice President of Football Operation. That is, as we would say, everything, all football, anything that deals with the playing field, um, the business of football, um, youth in high school, our college student athletes, all of our pro players, both past, present, I mean, past, present, future. So anything that deals with the, the athletic life cycle, um, player education, officiating, um, I'm a, the liaison for the rules committee, the competition committee. So uh, the commissioner has me working on, you know, different priorities. That's my day job. Uh, born and raised in Trenton, New Jersey, both my wife, Tommy, and I. Uh, attended the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Played four years of ball there, was drafted by the Dolphins, and then 15 years later ended up in Washington with the Redskins. So four years in Miami, eight years in Philly, three in Buffalo, and one in Washington. Yeah, what an incredible career you had, Troy. And so during all this, at about how old were you then when you first became a father and how did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? Uh, 21. I was actually 21 going on 22. I became both a father and a husband at the same time. So one of the proudest, if not the proudest moment of my life, you know, taking on the responsibility, accepting the responsibility of the gift that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ gives us, and that's that, that kinmanship, the bondmanship, uh, the helpmate, but becoming a father and a husband at the same time. Uh, back in the early 90s, and it was just a proud moment, a moment that I embraced, 
that I, I, I care deeply about and try to live those values out of being a father and what's expected of us in the kingdom of God each and yeah. every day. Very well said, Troy. And I know you said you deal with a lot of the student athletes and a lot of the stuff on the NFL side. Now, I, I recently I had Brandon Copeland on here. He teaches financial literacy at UPenn, mm-hmm. and uh, he just signed with the Patriots there. Now, are you seeing, uh, because of like the efforts that have been made, are you seeing more players coming into the league now uh, with a better sense of financial literacy and what to do, uh, a better like money sense, for lack of a better word? I would say so. You know, just based off of my athletic journey, the amount of time that's being spent, not just in at the pro level, but I would just say the education begins in high school. I think the financial literacy, what the coaches are doing with all student athletes, in particular those that are football players or participate in football at the collegiate level, those directors of player engagement, the coaches, they spend a lot of time inside of the locker room, as we would call they call them real-world Wednesdays, and that's that term you hear a lot, but just sharing with the student athletes the importance of financial literacy. And then coming to the pros, that's, uh, as we onboard our rookies, financial li- literacy is the foundation, or one of the foundations, or one of the pillars of our, our, our rookie onboarding. So I, I believe today, just because information is so readily available, and you're seeing it being um, deployed at the high school, college, and then the pro level. So athletes are much more aware of what's going on. They're much more financial savvy. Yeah, good stuff, Troy. And I know uh, you know you have uh, you know high school football players yourself here. What, what kind of advice do you have for the parents out there that have high school football players that are uh, drawing attention from the top schools and all that stuff. Maybe there's some concerns for the parents about how they approach this going forward. What kind of advice could you give those parents? It's an, it's an interesting – I get that question a lot. The recruiting aspect, identifying an institution that is the right fit uh, for your child, it's important that the child, in finding the right culture and institution – being able to ask the right questions, I think, you know, going in with a plan, you cannot decal chase. The one advice that I would give every parent is be realistic. Have realistic expectations for your child. Don't decal chase. Don't put your child in a situation where he or she's going to an institution that just may be a little bit above where they should be playing to have fun. So I would say to all parents, don't decal chase. Have a list of questions and finding the right culture based off of how your child was raised, where he or she was raised, and trying to find the right fit. Remember, your child spends most of his or her time, and in particular football players, they're spending most of their time with the position coach. Who is he? Who's he's about? Look at some of the other athletes that he's coached. Where are they in life? What's the graduation rate? What's campus life? Is there a balance of being a student and a student athlete on campus? How are the athletes perceived on campus? Are the young men that or the young women that your son or daughter may engage with in that class, do they share similar values? All of those things become important because the last thing you want to do is send your child to an institution. And they're hurting. They're not happy. Um, you're going to be getting a phone call late at night, and you're going to be now calling the coach, asking the question, why isn't my child playing, so on and so forth. So I just think don't daddy ball. 
Don't decal chase and really have a plan in finding the right institution, uh, the right culture for your child. Yeah, really great advice, Troy. And let me bring this back into you as a dad here now. What, what type of uh, uh, disciplinarian are you as a father, and is it different than the discipline style that you grew up with? All right, dads, today's podcast is being brought to you in part by Let's Get Checked, the leading provider of at-home health tests. With everything going on right now, there is no better way to get results about your health without having to step foot in a doctor's office. Do you think you have a hormonal health issue that could be affecting your sex life? Did you know that 80% of sexually transmitted infections are asymptomatic? Right now, you may be afraid to go to the doctor's office to get checked because you don't want to catch COVID-19. That's where Let's Get Checked comes in. Your test is delivered straight to your door. You self-collect a blood sample from the tip of your finger and mail the sample back to their accredited laboratories in a prepaid label. The Let's Get Check medical team is available 24-7 to answer all of your questions. This week, Let's Get Check wants to invite first-class fatherhood listeners to join their community with a 20% discount code. Visit letsgetcheck.com or tap the link in the show notes and enter the discount code CLASS20. Go to letsgetcheck.com or tap the link in the show notes and enter the discount code CLASS20. It's good to know. All right, dads, today's episode is being brought to you in part by Yak Talkback, the family-friendly way to share your day. Hey, dads, do you struggle for more than one-word answers when asking your kids about their day? Do you need some help and stimulation to kickstart the conversation? Then welcome to the world of Yak Talkback, the brand-new Alexa skill from Real2 Media that promises to get families talking. A fun, interactive question experience hosted by Yak that combines character voices, kid-friendly music, and sound design. Yak Talkback provides a stimulating and supportive environment in which kids can express and articulate themselves. With new content every day, each session is led by the lovable Yak and consists of a short story and three questions, specifically designed to encourage families to share their thoughts and feelings, all while enjoying some family fun time together. Available now from the Alexa Skills Store in both North America and the UK, just say, Alexa, enable Yak Talkback and try it for yourself. It's good to talk, but it's even better to yak. Now, what what type of uh, uh, disciplinarian are you as a father, and is it different than the discipline style that you grew up with? It's about, it's a balance. Um, Do I hold my children accountable? Yes. And I'm... our, our philosophy in home is, one, we have to be an example. It's not what we say, it's what we do that our children see. We hold our children accountable. I'm not my child's friend. We're not friends. I'm their parent. I'm their parent. And when it's time to hold you accountable, it's not to hold you accountable because we're trying to be mean. It's a life lesson. So our philosophy, Tommy and I, with our, our children is we hold them accountable um, in various diff- different ways, you know, whether that is um, taking away their electronics, not allowing them to go uh, and visit friends or have friends come over. Uh, we will eliminate some things that, that are important in their lives. Uh, we don't necess- we don't necess- we haven't chatized our child um, as, as the way I grew up. That's not the way we raised our, our children. You know, we have communication with them. We always explain the why. Uh, even when they say, well, Dad, you don't know. No, I do know. And the only reason why I'm sharing these things with you is because I don't want you to go through the pain that either I endured or these are some things that I learned or someone shared with, with us. But it's so important that parents can't be friends. 
You're not friends to your ch- your children. You're a parent for a reason. Yeah, yeah, very well said. Uh, and, and Troy, I do like to ask the NFL guys that I have on the show here, just because a lot of parents do have the concerns uh, about when they should let their kids or if they should let their kids play tackle football with all the the reports or the misinformation around concussions and all that. Uh, in your opinion, what's a good age or a safe age for kids to start playing contact football? Excellent question. Get the question all the time. The first thing that is a parent's choice. You know your child's motor skills, and as you introduce them to the game, every child is different. Every child's motor skills are different. Troy was a very advanced kid at the age three, four, and five. So was Teron. There are other kids that were at their age that was not advanced. Our children were playing tackle football at the age five or six. Their motor skills allowed them to do so. But uh, when you are considering tackle football, I, no question, going back to asking the right questions to those coaches, to those administrators, what are your protocols? What are your safety protocols? What are your hydration uh, uh, protocols? How do you identify uh, what kids will play when they won't play? So, again, I'll start with parent decision but really, really assess and have that conversation with the coaches and administrations running those youth leagues about their protocols, about their processes, but really identify your child's motor skills. Yeah, very cool. And, and, and I know, Troy, I know that you played a key role in, in, uh, in breaching the gap between the players and the owners during the whole national anthem protests. We saw that hit the college and even the high school um, level. How did you kind of address that whole situation with your kids? It was Good conversation every day. We live um, in an area where we grew up, where we have haves and have nots, and it was really about communication, very simple. Uh, God used me at that time just to be a bridge builder, um, making sure that both sides were heard, all arguments or positions were heard. Um, and then you come to find out through that process that there, there were more like-minded than they, they had differences. Everyone wanted the same thing for their community and for their children. Um, so how we discuss law enforcement, relationship with law enforcement, criminal justice reform. My role there was just being a bridge builder amongst athletes, law enforcement, community leaders, our membership, um, our office in general, and those conversations at home. As they were playing out on television, they became conversa- conversations around our dinner table. Weren't difficult conversations. They were reality. Um, this isn't going away. We have to be intentional about these efforts, but being able to pose those questions or concerns to our children to see how they would respond. So throughout that entire process, it was a great teachable moment for our family here. Yeah, very well said. And I know we just recently, we just passed the NFL draft here. I know that's a big moment for a lot of kids, a lot of their families. I know it had to be for you, uh, drafted in the first round. Uh, what was your take on this whole, I mean, I know right now we're in the middle of a unique spot here because of the whole coronavirus. Everybody is on a lockdown. Uh, what was your take on kind of how the draft went down, uh, you know, watching that at home, and how are you handling the whole coronavirus thing? Well, well, where we started and then where we ended, I just thought it was a just a wonderful um, accumulation of people working together. We started off from the foundation, from the beginning and to the end, through the commissioner's leadership, we can only do this under state at-home orders. And that was the foundation of making sure safety first, being able to celebrate the prospects, 
at the same time having a moment and being part of a different conversation during the day from what we've had over the last, say, six, eight, nine weeks around what is happening in our communities, what are health concerns. We were able to raise money with the Draftathon. Very proud moment for myself personally being part of an organization that raised over $100 million for frontline workers, uh, doing it in collaboration with our players. That's a special moment. Then celebrating, watching the different families, the ex watching our head coaches, watching the general managers, watching the owners be in the context of their work with their families. So, again, I thought it all came together, our partners with Microsoft, Amazon, it, it was just a good, good moment um, for our country. So we saw those three days when we start talking about being a, a galvanizer. Uh, we saw that play out. Again, first and foremost, being able to raise money for our first responders to celebrate the individuals who were, have been dreaming the last 18, 19, 20 years of, of this particular moment. And then doing that in compliance with the stay-home orders. Yeah, I think it was such a welcome thing for uh, so many people around the around the country here. Just because we finally got some some sense of sports back in our life. They've been taken away from us for the last month here, and a lot of us were just hungry for some positive news and to see all those uh, kids celebrating with their families and and just uh, so much, like you said, so much money being raised for the people that have been helping. I think it was a beautiful moment for the country as well. Great moment, and again, you know, folks are still talking about it, and we hope that um, it'll be a, a memorable moment for at least for the 2020 calendar year for many folks. Yeah, speaking of the 2020 calendar year, what, what's next for you here, Troy? What kind of goals or plans do you have for yourself here for the future? So uh, today, you know, being staying at home, uh, making sure, getting some of the little things around the house that my wife and children want to get done that typically my work schedule doesn't allow me to do. We're just spending a lot of time together loving on one another, uh, being patient with one another. And then we're now, from a work standpoint, we're still – you know, developing what is the virtual off-season looks like. Um, we're still listening to, obviously, and being guided by the medical community on um, how training camp um, could be or what are the protocols that needs to be in place. So just doing proper planning, reasonable planning, um, and concern planning. So when I, you know, so just making sure that we're responsible, um, that we're reasonable as we plan as, again, as parents, what does it look like our children going back to campus and heading back into high school to how do we just return to work and what does that look like? Yeah, good stuff. And uh, last thing I want to hit you with here, Troy, I'd love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for the new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Time. It's all about time. Uh, you spend time in areas that's most important to you. Be patient. Uh, you're a dad. And you, whether you're a new dad by way of coming into a new relationship, um, I hear the term stepdad, no, you're a father. So as you are entering into the relationship, whatever comes along with your, uh, with your new partner, that's now you all are one. And I would just say embrace the time, embrace the moments, continue to have patient, patience, and be available. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. This has been an honor for me. i got to say, Troy Vincent, you're a first-class father all the way, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Troy Vincent for giving me a few minutes of his time here. It was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Lock it in. I got four bangers coming your way next week, including my interview with Dr. Dilip Joseph. He was captured by the Taliban back in 2012 and rescued by SEAL Team 6. Don't miss that one. Check out my Instagram account at Alec underscore Lace to find out who else will be joining me here. That's all I got for you guys today. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. I'm Alec Lace, and please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers, and we're not just fathers. We are first-class fathers. Your half-truths and tales as tall as